Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. What's up, Raider Nation? Matt Holder from Silver and Black Pride here. It's Friday, and the Raiders are back on the field this Sunday against the Houston Texans. So, of course, we've got to go over the news for the week, the injury report, and answer some of your big, important questions. I'm not going to lie to you guys. It was a bit quieter the last two two weeks, I should say, since the Raiders were on the bye. But I still have plenty to talk about, so let's get into it. All right, I figured I'd kick things off with a little update on the Devontae Adams situation, since that's the big news coming out of Las Vegas over the last two weeks. According to NFL insider Ian Rappaport, the league will wait to suspend or fine Adams until the legal situation surrounding his incident is over. Rappaport wrote, Adam's status won't be resolved in the near future, sources informed on the situation say, which indicates Adams will stay on the field moving forward for Las Vegas this season, at least until his legal situation has reached its conclusion. Because Adams is criminally charged, his case is now considered a potential personal conduct policy violation, which warrants a league investigation. However, if the case is resolved in any way, legal charges are dropped, Adams pleads guilty, or any other outcome that concludes the situation, a resolution will come quicker, sources told Rappaport. Adams was asked about the assault charge filed against him and said, I mean, I said what I said in Kansas City, and it was genuine. It was honest before. Like I said, it was something I regretted, but we're putting that to bed now. There's nothing else to really talk about at this point. So, on that note, I'll move on. The NFL's trade deadline is less than two weeks away on Tuesday, November 1st, so naturally, rumors have started swirling about the deals that the Raiders could make. ESPN's Jeremy Fowler reported this week that Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels have been shopping 2019 first-round draft picks safety Jonathan Abram and edge defender Cleveland Farrell. Ziegler and McDaniels decided not to pick up either player's fifth-year option over the offseason, so both players are set to hit free agency in March, but Abram has been a starter for this season and played the majority of the team's defensive snaps. Fowler's report also states that an NFC executive said Las Vegas' GM and head coach are aggressively trying to find the correct players for the personality of this new team and are looking to get rid of some of the players that they inherited from the previous regiment. Fowler also stated that Ziegler and McDaniels have made Abrams and Farrell available for a while, but obviously have not gotten any offers that they like yet. We'll see if that changes over the next week or so. By far the best news coming from Raiderland this past week was that Max Crosby and his fiancée Rachel Washburn welcomed their baby girl Ella Rhodes to the world on Thursday night. Ella came in at 8 pounds and 4 ounces, and her and Rachel are perfectly healthy. The bye week could not have come at a better time for the Crosbys as Max got to spend the entire weekend with his newborn baby. Ella is Max and Rachel's first child, so a big congrats to you two, and Raider Nation, please welcome Ella to the family. On a much less important but related topic, since we're already talking about Crosby, his odds to win Defensive Player of the Year have increased significantly, or decreased depending on how you look at it, to 16-1 according to our friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook. Granted, the Cowboys' Micah Parsons is still the huge favorite, so much so that Parsons is an even money bet at plus 100 to win the award. I guess we'll call this part of the show my gambling corner, as DraftKings Sportsbook is also showing Josh Jacobs some love. 
DraftKings is giving Jacobs the third best odds to win the rushing title this year at 8-1, as he's currently in third place behind Saquon Barkley and Nick Chubb, both of whom have played more one more game than Jacobs. Jacobs has 490 rushing yards on the year, which is 126 behind Barkley's 616, and 159 behind Chubb's 469. So, the Raiders rusher does have some ground to make up, but he certainly has a chance to bring home the title, and he'll be the first back in franchise history to do so since Marcus Allen did it in 1985. I wanted to save these last couple of news stories about Nate Hobbs and Darren Waller as they'll transition nicely to the injury report. You guys might remember from last week that Hobbs suffered a broken hand against the Chiefs, an injury that he said he'd be able to play through. On Monday, the Raiders placed Hobbs on injured reserve, and the Athletics' Sean Reed tweeted that the cornerback had surgery on the hand last week. Hobbs will be able to return in four weeks, but obviously he'll miss the next handful of games, which is a devastating blow for an already banged up secondary. The good news is cornerback Anthony Averett, who has been out since week one with a broken thumb, returned this week so the defensive backfield will at least get some depth back. As for Waller, I'm sure you guys saw that he left the Chiefs game early with a hamstring injury, and unfortunately, it doesn't sound like the bye week was enough time for him to heal up. McDaniels was asked about Waller's status early in the week and did seem cautiously optimistic that the tight end could play this Sunday. However, it doesn't sound like Waller shares that optimism, as he was asked about his status against the Texas and said, This week will probably be tough for me, but it won't be a long-time thing. So, from the sounds of it, Waller will probably miss another game, but should be ready to go for the long haul. Before I dive too far into Thursday's injury report, I did want to let you guys know that in addition to Anthony Averett being designated return from injured reserve this week, the Raiders also designated wide receiver DJ Returner return from IR. Neither player has been activated yet, this just means that they can practice with the team and must be activated within the next three weeks. That being said, teams typically don't designate a guy to return until he's ready to suit up and play, so we'll probably see Averett and Turner on Sunday. On to the Raiders injury report. I just wrapped this up, but Waller has not practiced this week with that hamstring injury. But the more surprising DNP was Hunter Renfro, who was not listed on the report on Wednesday and recently came back from a concussion, but was out with a hip injury on Thursday. Not having Renfro and Waller against the Texans would be a big blow to the Raiders' passing game and would likely lead to bigger roles for wide receivers Keelan Cole and maybe DJ Turner if he's healthy enough. Also, Foster Moreau, who returned to practice in a limited capacity from the knee injury that's kept him out of the last two games, might be in for some extra reps in his first game back. The Raiders only had two other guys listed on the injury report and both were limited on Thursday, linebacker Jayon Brown with a hamstring and wide receiver Mac Hollins with a heel injury. Moving on to the Texans, and they're also coming off a bye so they're pretty healthy as the only injury that you really need to know about is starting the defensive end, Jonathan Grenard was limited with a calf injury this week. And that'll do it for this week's injury report. Here we go, mailbag time. As your weekly reminder to have your questions answered on a future pod, either tweet them at me, at imholder95, or email them to sppquestions1 at gmail.com, at imholder95, or sppquestions1 at gmail.com. First up, hoping we see better execution on both sides of the ball this week. You and me both, buddy. One area that I continue to see, or one area that I continue to be concerned with, is interior defensive line, as it seems we don't get much push inside, which allows opponents to double team the edge guys more. Do you see any types of improvements there week to week? So, kind of interesting. We've had uh, the defensive tackles come up a lot in the last few weeks, so obviously it's been one of the biggest areas of concern for the Raiders this year. Um, obviously, you guys are worried about it. We are worried about it in the offseason too. Um, but again, I kind of keep going back to 
don't think the coaching staff's all that worried about it because, I mean, I would have read you the, any report or any uh, visits that came in this week if they have had any. And obviously there were none. Not a whole lot of defensive tackles been brought in. But yeah, I mean, I to answer your question, to get to the, to the point here, um, if I saw any improvements from week to week there, not really, to be honest with you. I know this last week they started rotating more guys in. Um, I don't know if you guys noticed, but I think Jonathan Hankins was a healthy scratch. Don't remember if he was on the injury report or anything like that against the Chiefs, but he was inactive. Neil Farrell got to suit up for his first game and got to play a little bit more. Matthew Butler was inactive too, which is a little weird, but Farrell got in and got to play a little bit more. Um, so I think that might be the biggest change that we're going to see because, again, there hasn't been much much change. There hasn't been much from that defensive tackles all year, and it's a week-to-week thing. So I think we're going to start to see them cycle through and maybe start to rotate and maybe start to look like the offensive line a little bit where they start to play guys in and start to get you know guys like Farrell and Matthew Butler in in the game more, especially as they get more experience throughout the year as rookies. But yeah, I mean, the guy that I think we're all going to be pointing the finger at and waiting for someone to for waiting for him to do something is going to be Bilal Nichols. I know I've been on here a little bit and kind of made excuses for him a little bit, and I kind of stand by it a little bit where he was banged up for the majority of training camp. I don't think he even practiced until the last week or two or something like that. So I will kind of give him a grace period a little bit. That being said, it's been five weeks. The bye week's passed now. It's kind of getting to put up or shut up time for Bilal Nichols. They paid him $11 million. He's been kind of a ghost. Haven't really seen anything from him as far as pressure goes, which I'm assuming is what you're talking about a little bit there. And that's what he's brought in to do. And the scary thing is, too, if you look at the Raiders' defensive line, or the defensive tackles, I should say, he's like the only one that they really have brought in that's a proven pass rusher, and he's not producing right now. We all know Jonathan Hankins isn't a pass rusher. Andrew Billings, who I'll talk about more in a second, definitely a run defender. Neil Farrell Jr., more of a more of a run defender at LSU, did show some promise as a pass rusher, but again, more of a project pass rusher. And Matt Butler is just more of a more of a project overall. So that's kind of the concerning thing for me. But again, not doesn't seem to be for the coaching staff, doesn't seem to be that pressing an issue. So I'm hoping we get to see a little bit more from Nichols, get a little bit more pressure now that he's had more time off, some time to rest and get healthy. Because, I mean, I'm getting frustrated there too. I can't make excuses. I can't sit here and defend the guy anymore. Definitely need to see more from him. The one guy I do want to highlight in a positive light at defensive tackle is Andrew Billings though. Billings, again, not going to give you much as a pass rusher. Not going to give you anything as a pass rusher, to be specific. It's just, just not a game. Not his game. Wasn't his game in Cincinnati. Cleveland never really worked out. Wasn't his game there either. But what he is being really good at this this year that I've noticed is he's doing an awesome job of plugging up gaps, defeating blocks. Not necessarily showing up on the stat sheet, but doing a great, great job of, of kind of filling that role that we've seen Hankins fill in the past, right? Where he's not... Not going to put up the eye-popping stats. Not going to get a whole bunch of tackles or tackles for loss. But he's going to do his job and cut the field in half. And I feel like he's really playing well. Really kind of taking that role away from Hankins. Like I just said, and Hankins was a healthy scratch. And Billings was a starter. And Farrell got the reps. So I think if we can see a little bit more from him um, against the run, that'll be, a, that'll be a, I mean, help, a, help the defensive tackles out a lot more. And then whoever's going to step up as a pass rusher would be really nice. Hopefully it ends up being Nichols, maybe fair a little bit too. Um, he did show up in the in the preseason. He was actually a better pass rusher than he was run defender. So um, maybe we'll see something. But yeah, definitely a position where if we if the season were in now, we'd say defensive tackle is up there with right tackle with, for one of their biggest needs. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Next question. I saw that a former player said that Patrick Graham's scheme is too complicated and compared it to Paul Gunther's, which has me worried. Everyone loved Graham in the offseason, but the defense hasn't been good. What do you think? Is the scheme too complicated? So... Patrick Graham's defense is going to be complicated. They're going to use a lot of looks. That's going to be part of the, the how do I phrase this? That's going to be part of how he wants to play that style where he wants to be so versatile. Is Obviously, if you're versatile, that means your players have to know a lot of defenses and have to retain a lot of knowledge, which, especially when you're starting the season, is going to happen. Guys' heads are going to be spinning, and that's going to unfortunately be one of the, uh, the symptoms of having such a versatile attack. So it's definitely complicated, and especially when you compare it to Gus Bradley's, which is known for being like rudimentarily, I butcher that word, um, easy to pick up. It's you know pretty basic. A lot of just cover three with not a whole t- or not a ton of rolled coverage. Where Graham has some exotic looks out there. You'll run inverted cover two, roll coverage all the time, um, run, mix in some man and all that stuff. So. I think that's playing a factor too to transition from a very simple scheme to a very complicated one can definitely make guys head spin a little bit too. Um, I think the biggest difference when comparing it to Graham and Gunther is Graham seems to be a little bit better of a teacher. Gunther, part of what pissed me off about Gunther is he kind of had that attitude of like, well, if my players can't pick it up, then it's on them. When, okay, to a certain extent, yes, but it's also part of your job to teach them. Like, if it's a few guys that can't pick it up, that's one thing. But when the entire team can't pick it up, that was, that's that's on you. And I don't get that sense from Graham, at least. Graham's not kind of that kind of type of guy. Gunther kind of made a lot of excuses when he was with the, the Raiders, which I think infuriated guys, whereas Graham's kind of taken it head on. So I think there's that. And I think Graham was also more adaptable with this scheme. He will fit it to his players, whereas Gunther was like, this is what I'm going to run. And if they can't pick it up and if they don't have the, if we don't have the guys to fit the scheme, then so be it. We're going to run this. Whereas Graham's at least more flexible with his, uh, with his approach. But yeah, I mean, it's definitely complicated. I think definitely been harder for them to pick up. The results obviously are the only thing that really matters, which haven't been great. But I do think, again, you know, with time, with more reps, more experience, they are young and especially in the secondaries we've talked about a lot that, the defense will get better and they'll start to pick it up. And again, this week's going to be a big test. This week is this week to me to get on a little bit of a tight side tangent since I'm kind of done with the question here. This week to me against the Texans is going to show a lot about the Raiders. They had the extra week to prepare. Did they fix the stuff that they've been screwing up? And have they gotten the mental part of the game down, which is partially picking up, you know, Patrick Graham's apparently complicated scheme. So to me, I feel like this is a big judgment week for the Raiders. And I feel like not only do they have to win, they've got to cover because this is a bad Texans team, a very, very bad Texans team. You look at the roster and you sit there and say, I don't know, I didn't know that guy was still in the league and who the hell is that guy? So I think this will be a big week for the Raiders. Is Patrick Graham's scheme so too complicated? Yes, it is complicated. Hopefully we'll see signs of them starting to pick it up again. 
time, time and patience, which is hard to have in the NFL season, especially as uh, we are almost in November here, which is a scary sight to, or scary thing to think about. But yes, I do think give it some time, relax. You're going to hear me say that a lot. If they lose this week, they'll panic. Please, again, panic if they lose this week. But for right now, let's calm down. All right, last question of the day here. I know you said there's no magic trade that will fix the Raiders' problems, but the Panthers just fired Matt Rule and are expected to have a fire sale anyone Las Vegas should look into. So again, again, I don't think there's a, a single player that there there's no magic wand that they'll be able to solve their problems. But the guys I would look into from the Panther, the first one I should say, is going to be right tackle Taylor Moten. Obviously fills a big need for the Raiders. Um, has played pretty well in the league, especially in pass protection. Would stabilize that offensive line. Even could help out their guard situation because then Jermaine Luminor can move in. Maybe he can play some left guard and they can stop putting Alex Bars out there if they don't like John Simpson. So that would be the first guy I would uh, look into. Uh, the Panthers will also get a ton of cap relief if they uh, if they trade him. And he just signed a, a rather large contract in either last offseason or the offseason before. So that's definitely an option. That being said, the large contract also might be something that the Raiders stay away from. We've heard about that a few times over this uh, this past offseason where they're not willing to, to spend or break the bank even at a big position of need. But I think maybe if push came to shove, maybe they go ahead and make that. Moten's only 28, so it's not like he's some one of these older guys that is getting paid. That might be part of where their decision too because they don't want to pay someone older, but they're willing to give someone who still has a future ahead of them uh, some cash and obviously would help them throughout more than just this year. And the other guy that I've seen floating around would be Shaq Thompson, linebacker, shout out Grant High School in Sacramento. Um, would definitely be, would be an upgrade over to my Diablo in coverage especially, and I think would be probably their best linebacker, including Denzel Perryman if he came onto the roster right now. So that would be the other guy that I'd be looking into. Uh, another guy that I think the Panthers would get cap relief and is also under contract for at least next season. After that, will be a free agent. But another guy that's not just a, a Band-Aid solution for this year and that you can get something back from and in the future and have some future value to him, I should say. So yeah, those would be my two guys from the Panthers that I would like to see them go after. Again, I don't really think they're going to make a move, but those would be the two that I would keep a name, the two names I'd keep an eye out for, uh, Taylor Moten and then Shaq Thompson. Hate to reform you guys, but uh, Christian McCaffrey is not coming to Las Vegas anytime soon. That'll do it for this week's show. The Raiders kick off at 105 on CBS this Sunday, so remember they're in that early kickoff after that early afternoon, excuse me, kickoff window. As always, thank you guys for listening. Make sure to rate, review, subscribe, and download wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow me on Twitter at mholder95. Follow Silver and Black Pride. Other than that, until next time, guys.